Somebody getting the ball, making a tackle, sacking the quarterback, some pro making a play. Look at him go, stiff arms, he's a sledgehammer, he's in! Touchdown, Tennessee! Derrick Henry, still going. Stays in bounds. He might go. 99 yards for the touchdown. Unbelievable. Hello, and welcome back into Two-Tone Brews, an unaffiliated Tennessee Titans podcast. My name is Brucker, and I am joined by Chris to discuss all sorts of Titans things and news and happenings going on this week. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Hey, man. I mean, what a week. Holy hell. We got a lot to do. Yeah, we got a lot of news, some articles. We got a game to recap, a game to that that is coming up. I'm not saying looking forward to, but <laughs> yeah, so let's I guess let's just get into the game that we had with the Colts this past weekend. Uh, this game went into overtime. Titans ended up losing 31 to 28, our first home loss of the season. How are you feeling coming out of this game? That was just like the most bizarre game I've seen in a long time. And I know we said uh, on the last week's pod that, you know, crazy things tend to happen when the Colts and Titans get together, but I did not expect like half that shit. I mean, there was like one of the the most bizarre three minutes in football with the blocked punt returned for a touchdown, followed by a two point conversion return the opposite way. Yeah. And then the next blocked punt, like on the very next drive. I mean, that was ridiculous. I, I don't even know how how a game just unravels so much. It is it is the football weirdness blockade completely fell. And uh at least it was a it was deeply weird, but it was entertaining as hell. It was super strange and it was entertaining. I mean, I, me watching it, I was kind of just like this, like it was just such a roller coaster of me being like fucking ecstatic to me going, what the hell? And then going, okay, I guess two points out of that. Like, that was, so it was, it, it was, it was quite the roller coaster. It, 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 it was Tennessee Titans football. I mean, it, it kind of just, it, cause you know, if we won that game, the, almost the exact same way how things played out we just happened to win in overtime it would have been that on twitter in the titans subreddit of people just going if you don't like tennessee if you don't like that then you don't like tennessee titans football because it just feels like that's how our games are a lot of the times dude i think that still tracks like if you didn't at least understand that that's sometimes what you're gonna get then you don't like tennessee titans football i mean win or lose that that's classic titans bullshit you know what i mean (laughs) titans bullshit baby yeah um i think one of the things there was a bunch of things that kind of stuck out to me i have like a little list of bullet points i wanted to get to but generally let me know how you feel about this because i think on our last episode we were we were talking about or at least i was kind of talking about how i wish that they would like that tim kelly would kind of let levis you know, just cook a little bit more and like they would like rely on him some. And I feel like this game was a pretty healthy mix of pass run screenplays. Um, I, I feel like it was a pretty mix, healthy mix of things on the offense. Uh, how, how did you feel about it? Yeah, it felt like a more balanced game for sure. Um, it was nice to see Derrick Henry like really heavily involved, especially in the first half, because that's something that we had talked about. They got away from too quickly 
in the last couple of games where, you know, Henry only ended up with, you know, carries in the low teens and he hit that by the middle of the second quarter. And the, the offense was noticeably just chugging along better. You know, we had actually had a fucking first quarter touchdown, a first possession touchdown. I think that was the first one all year, yeah. which we know the script is usually decent. But um, from then on, things didn't really unravel like we've seen them in, in games past or, you know, even going back to last year uh, under the other offensive coordinator. Yeah, it was it was much more smooth and i don't know um if if that's to do with the uh, preparation or the opponent um but something was noticeably different totally maybe this was kind of like the little spunk that we talk about about you know like the Colts hate week and how like you know we just really need levis and company to just get indoctrinated into just you know just just just, just to play fuck you football in this <laughs> and maybe that was kind of some of the motivation in it just the the little divisional rivalry yeah definitely was it was like much more heart into it than we've seen from the titans especially in the running game i mean we hit 177 rush yards on them like that that's the most i think this season don't quote me on it but it feels like it's the most this season and uh even when henry unfortunately went out like spears was still looking pretty good the offensive line finally got push up front which was really refreshing to see and uh, it's it's like you said, it's one of those games. Shit happens. It was crazy. Yeah, I'm like, I was deflated that we lost in the moment, but honestly, like, I'm not deeply bothered by it. Yeah, I mean, same here. I'm not deeply bothered by it either. I mean, we, you know, we didn't fuck up our draft, <laughs> our draft pick or anything with this. I think right now, currently, we're sitting at with the seventh overall pick. So happy with that right now. Um, and like you said, it was it was a weird fluky game. There was a bunch of penalties, a bunch of no calls, too, I think. Um, also, it's like one of those games where it's like, OK, if we don't allow one of those special teams fuck ups to allow for a touchdown, we probably win. Or if if uh, Stonehouse doesn't get fucking knocked out of the game and we don't have to rely on Ryan Tannehill to be the placeholder. Maybe we don't miss that extra penalty or that point after kick that would give us the lead and that could have changed the game. So there, there was a lot of like crazy wacky what ifs in this, which is what I, which is why like I don't feel like super bad about like the actual loss. Cause like the team played with a lot of heart and I think that's important. Uh, I mean, Vrabel is giving Jalen Duncan some props for, being a player that cares. I saw him with tears running down his face on, on the sideline after the game. Um, Will fucking Levis. He was a dog in this game. I mean, I think one of my was going to end up being like one of my like highlights of like top 10 favorite moments from this year is Will Levis recovering his own interception. <laughs> okay. That was awesome. <laughs> Levis had two just crazy plays because he had that one, which was, so fucking awesome. I can't even like I've never seen a quarterback do that. And then and then the Levis copter, you know, shades of <laughs> Steve Young or whoever the fuck it was <laughs> that did that shit. Right. <laughs> oh man. Uh it was LA, sorry, John LA. Wow. Like he he showed his heart and he showed that he um he's got the passion and the drive to like really be a dog. Really be a dog in this league and shit we need a dog like ryan tannehill we need an was, asshole 
yeah. playing really well. Yeah, like when he was playing really well, he was playing like that. Like he wasn't recovering fumbles or anything, but he decked some dude after an interception. He was trucking guys to get in the end zone. And he doesn't do that anymore because, I don't know, I guess his injuries and all that. But Levis right. seems like he's willing to do that, and, I, and I'm here for that for sure. Mm-hmm. I also... It, it was also very, it stuck out to me a lot about him just getting it to D hop's ear after kind of like the miscommunication they had on the second drive. And like Levis to me looked pretty heated on, on the sidelines talking to him about it and everything. And not that like, I think D hop should be screamed at or anything like that, but I did like seeing the angry ticked off prick uh <laughs> finally that we have a quarterback that's like trying to hold people accountable for for what he wants to do and he made it for it he gave d hop a touchdown in the third or fourth quarter so they all they all worked out yeah he gave him that nice it was yeah it was that was the uh what should have been the go ahead ended up being the game tying yeah the touchdown yeah d hop repaid the favor too because he was he was working really hard and i remember there was one where on the second down and long late in the was it, it was either the fourth quarter or overtime. I didn't have time to rewatch the game, so I'm just going off memory. But they called D-Hop out, and he thought he caught the ball. He just goes back, runs the exact same route, like yep. five yards deeper, and just catches that one instead. I was like, yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah, that, that, that was great. I think that was in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that was, that was awesome, too. And I guess while we're... Well, okay, before I get to the point I was about to say, uh, also Chig, I... I don't think it was like an extremely flashy game, but it wasn't something I walked away pissed off about with him. He did have that really awesome. I think they did. Maybe he was like like a flea flicker. It was some sort of trick play they did. And on the first drive and Chig was just open, just way downfield. And he didn't fuck up. You know, he caught the ball and he ran for yards. (laughs) Yeah. And he kind of dragged some dudes. Like we, we want to see him do more. Like he can, when he gets the ball, He's pretty fucking good. You just got to catch it first. Yeah, exactly. So it was, I loved seeing Tim Kelly scheming him wide open. And like, maybe that was a little coaching of just like trying to like boost his confidence a little bit early on, like give, give him a little cupcake to throw where we're going to scheme him just wide open and just uh, specifically the chig, just get, you know, go ahead, get that dopamine flowing in his head, a serotonin going. So he feels good and that he could actually, you know, so like later in the game, when he's actually going for contested catches, he could do something about it. So that stood out to me. Uh, also awesome to see Henry with, you know, that he had a really great touchdown run on that, that first possession. It looked like vintage Henry. Um, and the dude looked pretty quick in this game. I got to say, because when he did get out in the space, he was, he was fucking moving. He just had a few like shoelace tackles that really got him. But uh, dude was moving. I, I loved, I loved seeing that. Yeah, 100, 100 plus yards, two touchdowns. That's two weeks in a row. I hope he can be back for the next game. Um, it doesn't seem like he's in the protocol, so uh, maybe it was just precautionary why he came out in the first place. And they probably knew that Spears was capable of handling it. Uh, it was a little bit curious knowing that we didn't have another running back, <laughs> so it was all Spears. Uh, I don't know if you picked up on that. We had two active running backs. Oh, man. And is I, it if if Derrick Henry is ruled out, that means they have to unleash Julius Chestnut. Is if Chestnut's healthy, uh, I don't know his status. Oh, I want to see. I would like to see the nut out there. 
<laughs> yes, uh, as we are both a uh, huge uh, members of the Chestnut Fan Club. Um, and while we're talking about the running backs and Spears, uh, something else that stuck out to me about Spears, besides his athletic ability and quickness and how he just seems awesome, I loved his game awareness when he was trying to bat down that that ball, that kind of like floater ball that got tipped late in mm-hmm. the game. And just like his awareness to like not try to like get anything, just to like bat it down so to get intercepted. I I was like fucking cheering about that. I was like, what a smart fucking dude. I I loved I loved seeing that shit. No, I do like that too. It it just shows that at least some players on this fucking team are well coached. So let's <laughs> hopefully that disseminates into some other uh, areas. <laughs> but yeah, no, he uh, he had a good game overall. Even even those intangible things that don't show up on a box score. Um, saving a potential turnover that would have been uh, really crucial for the game considering how back and forth it was definitely I would like to see us get him more involved in the passing game too just he's just so shifty like he like it's never the first tackle that gets him like like his first guy he always makes a miss and I would like to see I would just like to see him just be a little bit more involved in the passing game too that's that's what I hope to see going forward yeah, they tried to get him on a couple of screens. Uh, there was one that I think he would have taken for many, many yards, um, but Levis couldn't get the angle right because he had a guy, you know, arms up in his face. Uh, it, would lo- it would have been a really impressive throw to get to him, mean, even though it's like a little pop pass for five yards. So it, I, it, maybe they're trying. They're, they're giving it a little effort, but it seems to be that Derrick Henry's the one getting more screen passes, which is both fun and interesting. Yeah, def- it definitely is. And I mean, he looks great on those two. Cause again, those are like opportunities where he gets into open space and you just see him just hauling ass down the field. And again, it's just like these like crazy, like shoelace tackles that like get him. But uh, to pivot slightly, uh, we mentioned it earlier with the Imani hooker interception and he took it back for the two point con- conversion for us. As as much as you know, like two points is better, but like as that happened, I was like, oh my god, babe, we have a chance for a scoragami here for like the, the sacred one point one point safety. We have a chance at it right here. I like almost oh wished god. it happened. <laughs> that would have been wild. <laughs> that would have been. But uh anyways, uh <laughs> Well there was a scoragami in the league this week. It was the Dolphins. Oh, was game. there? What, what? I what was the score? I don't I don't recall. Hold on, I'd have to look it up. But it, there was an official scoregami. It was where is that game? It was forty five to fifteen against the Commanders. Oh wow! <laughs> Which is just because the Dolphins are scoring a thousand points, and then like someone tries a two point conversion because they're like, well, fuck, <laughs> why not? <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it when a scoragami happens. We should probably like come up with some sort of scoragami drop that probably only gets used maybe once a season. But, <laughs> but yeah. So from takeaways from the game, uh, besides some of the things that we talked about, there have been some ramifications. Um, some of the big ones, or unfortunately, these are injuries, and you know, special teams didn't look great. I've talked about how much I've been wanting Ackerman to to get fired or let go. And Stonehouse got obliterated twice. And that second one that he got his, 
it looked, I almost thought his leg got broken on that second one. And Stonehouse is done for the season. He's going to get uh, surgery on his knee, I believe. And Mike Vrabel did a first. He fired a uh, staff member mid-season. He fired uh, Frank Ackerman, a special teams coach, which I am happy about. I wish I didn't take a season-ending injury to a player, but hey, uh, he got fired. Yeah, thank God he's finally gone. I mean, Jesus Christ, this guy has been so bad for years. I mean, we have not had a decent kicking game in five years, and I think he's been here for six years. So, I mean, you do the fucking math. He's been consistently riding the coattails of good players, the likes of Brett Kern, Ryan Stonehouse, Ryan Suckup, and uh, recently Nick Folk. But other than that, he's been absolutely terrible. They, the return game has been an absolute disaster for a long time, ever since he's been here. Um, we have not covered kickoffs well. We have not covered punts well. Aside from Stonehouse just having a fucking cannon of a leg, it's been so bad. It's been so fucking bad. And I hate it for Stonehouse because that looked like a pretty gruesome knee injury. Now you said it looked like he broke his leg. Like it looked like a like a knee buckle all day. I don't know if they even re- released what actually happened, um, but it's not a good sign when you have back to back punt blocks, the same fucking thing both times. It's not like the Colts tried something different. They didn't mix it up on us no they just were like that shit worked let's do it again because the special teams coordinator for the titans is a goddamn blockhead okay <laughs> and guess what it worked for him yeah good riddance we'll see if we can get somebody better in uh but yeah it's been a long it's been too long coming i'm with you man he sucks yeah he does and again just happy happy it's cool to see mike Vrabel to be evolving some you know like i uh, you know, we've always talked about how he's been kind of st- a stubborn person, especially when it comes to his staff. Uh, he likes to protect his guys, but I don't even know if Ackerman is like one of his guys. I, th- I think like you said, he was kind of like a holdover from maybe the Malarkey era, um, or maybe he got promoted after Malarkey got let go. I'm not sure, but yeah, it- it's at least nice to see Vrabel evolving some and him doing something he's never done before. And that's letting go of somebody, you know, mid season. Now do Shane Bowen. Uh, <laughs> that's just me. Oh, come on. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's just me. I, I hope to see that uh, in the off season because I feel like something's got to get changed. Oh, off season. Yeah, we can talk. I thought you meant like <laughs> fire him now too. I mean, I wouldn't be upset. He's not. I wouldn't good, be upset. But... Just saying. No, I don't think so. I think that he's similarly to like what you were saying because you know there's something to be said about how much our defense has been able to hold offenses to like below 30 points a lot this season and last season too but and also like in this game whenever the the Colts did get say like like a scoop in recovery in like like their own red zone and everything uh there's a handful of times where our defense bent and didn't break and just held them to three points um you know like I said like the Monty Cooper interception and everything too like all that was good but um I feel like it's Bowen kind of like it, it's him kind of getting lucky with some of the, per, not all of the personnel, some of the personnel, like people like Jeffrey yeah. Simmons, Danico Autry, uh, Arden keys, you know, those, those guys. 
it, but, it seems like they're yeah they're succeeding in spite of him but here's the key all right as long as he's not putting players in the line of fire like Ackerman was Shane Bowen might be the key to securing a nice draft pick very true I mean we don't know we don't know very true but also we can't forget his stupid ass quote about press coverage is a personal decision and he doesn't determine that. So, you know, coordination is important and is part of, you know, his title defensive coordinator. He should coordinate what they're doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know. Could you imagine being like, a band director and just being like, all right, tubas y'all just do whatever feels right. Do whatever you want, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Just go for it. (laughs) Go crazy. Or don't play. Whatever. Ruin the the parade, but it's fine. (laughs) You know what? Pick up a trombone. Put down the tuba. (laughs) You want to play percussion? You can hit anybody with the tuba. Just any other instrument and see what noise it makes. It's a personal decision. (laughs) I'm just going to fuck off and play hot cross buns over here. But yeah, so that happened. And then some of the other injury news, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, I think the latest thing I saw is that he's going to be, he's ruled out for a couple of weeks is TBD on how long. I don't think he's been put on IR as of Wednesday evening. As I checked, he wasn't put on IR or anything yet. I almost wonder if we, there's only five more games left in the season. I almost wonder if we should just let Big Jeff just, just recover. I that, I don't know if there's like a real advantage to making him play through injury for the last five games of the season. I almost just want to say, dude, you've, you've, you've done enough pig. Let's let's, let's just have you get healthy for, for next year. Yeah, I would agree to that. I think the only reason he would want to or need to play is if he wants to play, if he's healthy to play, um, if he's a hundred percent healthy, sure. Why not? But yeah, there's no reason to grit it out these last mm-hmm. few weeks. If he, if he is, any percent injured, just let him let him get better. Yeah, and that's actually what Vrabel said too. He said he's kind of like trusting Simmons, Jeff Simmons, on how he feels and everything. So, um, and Vrabel's always been that kind of coach to not really push players either. So, um, glad that he's kind of like leaving it in Jeffrey Simmons' hands. Yeah, and Simmons has the luxury because he's got the contract now. He do, he doesn't have to like maybe if this was happened last year, he would want to. Right. Or if this was a similar situation or whatever, but he doesn't, he doesn't need to do that. And it's honestly in the best interest of everybody that he's, he protects himself. Yeah, totally agree. Let's just put out angry, uh, tear tart out there. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> da, da, da. Any other, Oh, Derek Henry, he, he got taken out of the game with concussion protocol in the fourth quarter, I believe, but apparently Brable came out saying that he's not in concussion protocol. And but I think his status is kind of TBD if he's going to play against Miami. I do love that Vrabel kind of poked in the eye of Adam Schefter, who came out with his early Monday was it Monday morning or Tuesday morning tweet. Derrick Henry's in the concussion protocol, uncertain on Monday, and then Vrabel like a few hours later is like, Nah, he's not in the protocol. That's a fucking lie. (laughs) (laughs) Making shit up, trying to get a scoop. (laughs) Right. He was only going to tell his his girl, Diana, you know, what's really going on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or his boy, TD, as we'll get into in the second half of this conversation. So for, I found it pretty odd that they 
made Kyle Phillips a healthy scratch for Traylon Burks to come in and play. And I don't really recall him on many snaps. Maybe he was on more snaps than I remember, but I don't really remember him on the field much. So I found that very peculiar that Kyle Phillips was a healthy scratch. And I think Phillips is a kind of guy that we do need on the field. Yeah. Play is in air quotes because <laughs> let's see. Traylon Burks played 10 snaps. Ooh, it's not a great look. Oh, for reference, it's out of 85 offensive snaps. Oh, thank you. That's much better. Yeah, I that one puzzles me. It It's confusing, too, because of how well Phillips had been playing the last few weeks. I just read uh, from Trajan Watkins an article that he did for Stacking the Inbox um, that he, he was suggesting that it was probably in favor of Colton Dowell for special teams purposes didn't seem to go over very well (laughs) so let's not make that mistake again if that was indeed the reason I I cannot understand why he would be a healthy scratch over someone that's strictly going to play special teams or Traylon who they had to know he wasn't that ready if they only put him out for 10 fucking snaps it wasn't like he was just out there running decoy routes like he literally was not out there that's so bizarre to me. Yeah, it is. And like, I don't know. I, I've seen it float around. as like conditioning stuff for him and everything. Just get that dude to get on a fucking bike. <laughs> we don't need to take up a, a game day roster spot for that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But another kind of like puzzling thing. I, I would like to see Kyle Phillips out there right now, uh, honestly. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I have any other things uh, or takeaways from this game. Um, and, and also in terms of like entry news, I don't think there's anything else that I missed from from this week. No, I don't think so either. Uh, there's been a couple cuts, but nothing too important. And we signed up a, a punter. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Oh, I, for, I already forgot his name. Zetner, Zinter. He, uh, he was with the texans earlier this year um you know not really big news he's no he's no one's gonna be calling him out and being like that's my punter dumbass or dipshit that's, whatever my, that's my punter dipshit yeah. <laughs> uh, i gotta say nick folk for doing his first career punt in this game pretty solid actually it was pretty good yeah i was i was pretty stoked i was pretty stoked with that and if we go into the full tank mode, which I don't think we ever would, I want to see Ryan Tannehill just just punt it just for shits and giggles. I just want to I just want to see what what the dude could do. He he played wide receiver in college, played quarterback professionally. <laughs> Did he? He tried holder. <laughs> I want to I want to see I want to see him kick the damn ball. Yeah. Okay. So this might be another reason why Aquaman was fired because he didn't have a fucking backup plan. It was clear <laughs> that Ryan Tannehill hadn't held a football like that in probably 15 years they're like well he did it in college i'm like this man is 40 are you fucking kidding me (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was that's another thing i hope Vrabel made made that a point as to reason for termination in in a little little his little powwow he had with him's like yeah so just Tannehill had (laughs) Tannehill was your backup for that and Zero prep, nothing. You know, you just yeah. Anyways, imagine if Tannehill was a starter. 
He'd oh just like, point, do you think he would have just pointed to the crowd and like, if you seen Ace Ventura? All right. Did you see- <laughs> Laces no, out. If, Let's if, go. If Tannehill was still the starter, he'd be like, Malik, you're up. <laughs> Don't fumble it. This one's supposed to go on the ground, but like not the whole thing. Just you still got to hold on to it. <laughs> I will say Malik is the holder in Madden when you play as the Titans. Oh, fucking moron, Craig. Why didn't he, he didn't play his morning Madden before the game? God, man. John Madden from the grave is out coaching you. Yeah. I mean, you got punt right, punt left. How hard can this job be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, uh, okay, yeah. I feel like that's like kind of all of the... The stuff pertaining to to the Colts game that uh that, that came out of this week. Uh, it, it, anything else before we get to the song break? Nah, let's let's get out of here on the Colts. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a little song break here before we get to the second half of the conversation, and we're going to talk about this article that came out from TD and some interesting list of GMs that that Rand Carthon gave, and just some things going on in that we might foresee going on in the off season. And then a small little uh, preview of the Miami game that's coming up on Monday night. But uh, before we get to that, here is uh, the Raconteurs, Steady As She Goes. See you on the other side. The Raconteurs, are, I think, are one of my favorite bands. That whole album, Boy Broken Soldier, I think, I think it was called. Uh, it's it's one of my favorites. Yeah, definitely one of Jack White's better side projects. I'm I'm personally a White Stripes guy, um, but I do Same. like the Raconteurs. I do like them a lot. Yeah, no, I, I like Jack White. He's probably like one of my favorite like artists out there. But uh, yeah. Same here, White Stripes fan as well. Um, and this, I just like th- that song. Not to like go on too long about the the raconteurs. That's like one of like the first music videos I remember like seeing and thinking that was interesting. I don't know if you've seen this one. It's like a like the ones like soapbox derbies. The whole band is in, and like people just keep like wrecking throughout the uh, throughout the music video. But I, I just remember that music video always stuck out to me when I first saw it. I was like thirteen or something. I have not. Okay, while we're talking about Jack White, one quick anecdote. I was talking with a, a music file at work once, and uh, we were talking about Jack White and just kind of about him in general. And one of the one of the other people I worked with who no longer works there anymore was like, "So, who do y'all think is better, Jack White or Kid Rock?" 
And I just looked oh at her. God. I was like, they are not even on the same fucking planet. Are you joking right now? <laughs> like, no, she was dead serious. That's an insane. I can't comparison. even answer that question with a straight face. It's insulting. That's an ins. Yeah, that is. That's an insane comparison. Also, Jack White and Kid Rock. Can you imagine them in the same room? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I don't know Jack White's political leanings, but I'm sure he would just plug his ears and <laughs> make noise. Kind of didn't hear kind of like Kid one of the things. Just like, oh, you want to listen to Dead Silence because they have nothing to talk about with each other. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a boring interview. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> in uh, non-Jack White news, uh, a pretty interesting article from Toronto Davenport came out on ESPN this week, and it, it's hilarious to me the amount of backpedaling that the media has been doing since this time last week. We were talking about how that Boston Sports Journal thing came out about how Mike Rabel and Rand don't get along and that Rand's not good at his job and that like Rabel wants out. And then Tron Davenport was even kind of like questioning about like how, how much they get along or whatever. Well, Tron Davenport sat down with Rand and Rabel and turns out they actually get along, <laughs> you know, who'd have thought their relationship seems pretty healthy. Uh, it, was, it was a pretty cool little peek behind the curtain on how they run things. They, they start out every day with a meeting in one of their offices together. And like, they have touch points throughout the day. They, they get along. Frable openly said, you know, we have had some disagreements, but that happens in every fucking relationship ever. And it's been really cool to hear from Ryan about him saying how much he's been leaning on Frable on just, you know, like roster decisions, the type of team Frable wants, the type of players that he wants and what he can do to kind of fill those needs for him. So it, it was a pretty cool little peek, peek behind the curtain and showing how things seem to be going well, actually, between them two. Yeah. Shout out to Teron Davenport for just taking the victory lap for us um, because we were right the whole time. Uh, people were overreacting. And there's this is why we didn't we didn't join the bandwagon of like shitting on Rand Carthon or like suggesting that this was a doomed uh, partnership or whatever. Cause like it's way too early and whatever the, the meeting, the morning meetings really did stand out to me as something that's like indicative of a very healthy working relationship, because if they didn't get along, like why would you go out of your way to go to someone else's office and talk about, work no you'd probably just get your own stuff done and then just compare notes in an email later in the day and just be like oh, what does this guy have to fucking say about it yeah so of course they're gonna have disagreements but this was really highlighting what we all hoped and expected out of the hiring um when Rand carson did join the team and what amy adam strunk basically said was that he's a collaborator he wants to come in and work together he's not you know this demagogue kind of character kind of like what we saw with john robinson which is really why robinson and vrabel's relationship tend to deteriorate is because vrabel was telling him i need stuff um this isn't working and robinson was just like yeah cool you're just gonna coach with whoever the fuck i give you and you're gonna get over with it you know and vrabel is an executive type coach we've all acknowledge that as well. So it would be 
really kind of foolish if Rand Carson came in and said, well, I'll just do it my way, you know, get on, get on board or get off the train, you know? Um, no, no, that's stupid. Like Vrabel's been here for several seasons. He's had success. He's now had failures. Like, what are we, what are we going to do here about it together? Uh, really seems to be the approach. It's what I appreciate. The, the Kevin Byard trade, people were suggesting that was a one way street because Vrabel's the one that talked to the, to the press about it. Uh, that one stood out to me as Carson was like, no, we work together. He let Vrabel take the lead in the public relations because it's the middle of the season. It's not general manager time. It's it's team time. And I, it exactly basically is what he said. Yeah. And I definitely agree with uh, I, I find all that stuff interesting and definitely like, yeah, like this totally makes sense. And also the change that I feel like this organization kind of needed too with a character like Rand Carthon, like somebody that's like wanting to collaborate with ownership and and like you know the head coach which I think it's great and also it definitely shows that he is wanting to collaborate because he talks to like so many like the staff members and like gets like clarification on things and like the type of basically what their needs are and how he can fulfill those and with like the Kevin Byer trade and everything uh, again that wasn't like a one-way street Rand and Vrabel discussed that together and came to a conclusion together. And something else that I thought was interesting that Tron Davenport mentioned in his article was during the trade deadline, there was a lot of rumors floating around about Derrick Henry, maybe some other people on the team too. And I found that really surprising actually that Carthon said that him and Vrabel did not shop anyone actually at the trade deadline. I mean, like they took phone calls, obviously, but they actually weren't shopping anyone. And I think that's because he said that him and Vrabel discussed what they wanted to do with the roster and like what they wanted to do with people like specifically Derrick Henry and if they wanted to shop him or not. And I think I, I would imagine Carthon would have been like, it's probably a good idea to at least see what we can get. And Vrabel coming going, no, he's like a little bit more important to the team for these reasons. And then them kind of like meeting in the middle somewhere. So I think I was, I, I was still, I'm still surprised to hear that they didn't shop anybody. But um, I think that's cool that Ran isn't so, it doesn't have like such an ego to where like he's just going to do what he wants to do, but like he's willing to collaborate with Vrabel on that. So I found all that very interesting. Yeah. And it seems like Vrabel is also willing to collaborate with him. Because he he can see the inner workings of the team even better than Carthon can, because he's you know he's literally on the sideline and in the meetings with everybody, and you know that's probably why where they arrived at the Byard trade. You know, I'm sure it was something like you know this is we're in the realm of speculation now, but it, it seems like it was something where it was like Carthon was like, hey, you know, we we can get value for for. Byard, what do you think? And he goes, well, he's not performing and it's my, maybe now's the time to go, go ahead and get going with it. Let me know. And I'll, I'll go talk to, to Kevin because he said he, he sent him in to talk to him. He, he took the lead on, you know, breaking the news, breaking the news to everybody else while Carthon was in the back, making sure that the paperwork was signed and put in in time and properly. Cause that's his job. If you really think about it. He's the one that needs to make sure all the fine details, all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed with this kind of stuff. 
And um, I think it's a it's a perfectly fine idea to have Vrabel handle the PR on it because he's kind of the face of the franchise right now. And it, it is nice to know that Carthon is involved, in, but he's not letting his ego take over. Because I think what we got used to, and maybe this is why it's weird to us as Titans fans, is that John Robinson never missed an opportunity to put himself in front of a camera. And for better or worse, that was his style. And we're just going to have to get used to a different style. No, I think that's a very good point. I think we talked about that last week too, about how, you know, that's how J-Rob was. He was he was kind of a flashy dude. You know, he he wanted to be seen with a whistle on the practice field with Rabel whistling and barking out stuff at people. That was just his style. And Carthon seems to be way more of, I'm going to delegate. I want Rabel to take care of his shit. I want to take care of my shit. And then we're going to keep tabs with each other about what's going on. So, and I respect that a lot. Yeah, same. Like no one wants to be micromanaged. And I'm sure Mike Rabel certainly does not want to be micromanaged. Oh, not at all. He would have already wrestled him over that (laughs) if he was. Yeah, right. So something else I wanted to bring up from this article and how we're talking about with collaboration and everything. And that's Rand Carthon made it evident that he is not afraid to reach out for advice and to like to talk to other people with more experience. And he gave like a small list of general managers that he is going to be talking to for advice. uh, Rand Carthon will be. Uh, going into this offseason and i found this list very interesting so he's gonna be talking to the general managers of the 49ers the vikings the lions the browns the eagles and the dolphins i find this list very interesting about specifically why he's going to talk to these general managers of these teams and i think it's that these these teams specifically kind of mirror or reflect what the titans at least I think need to get better at and like kind of like where these teams kind of land at us on these spots. So, and also a lot of these teams too went through turnover, like went through needing to be needing to rebuild. I mean, like I think the lions and the Browns, like great examples of that too. And the Eagles, cause the Eagles were like a bad team not too long ago. Um, and same thing for the dolphins too, uh, as of recently, you know, they all went through these transitions of needing to, revamped the roster and now they are all like contenders too, like you know in their divisions and also like the 49ers eagles and dolphins and also kind of like the lions too are all like contenders right now i, I so i there's a as an example i think like one i think like one of the obvious things that the titans need to improve at this offseason is the offensive line and looking at these teams three of them the eagles lions and bears are in the top three for offensive lines currently right now in the NFL. The Dolphins and Niners are listed in the top 11. Um, so I also have the receivers and DBs here, but like, uh, does does this list also like make sense to you about why he would want to go to them and for what the needs are for the Titans? Yeah, it certainly does. First of all, the, the Niners and the Vikings, I think are fairly obvious. Carthon just came from the Niners and then the uh, Vikings GM is also a Niners guy. So um, I don't know about the others and what sort of like personal connections they may have uh, had in previous areas or previous um, team organizations. Those two were no brainers for me, but in terms of team construction and philosophy, I guess it really did stand out with the 
the offensive makeup of those teams. Because if you if you think about teams that are vertical offenses with multiple weapons, I mean those are three of the those are a few of the teams that you think about when you want to say the Niners with Debo and Ayuk and Kittle, and then the Dolphins obviously have two top tier wide receivers. Same for the the uh, Vikings. I mean, they just signed Jordan Addison, who looks really good. Before that, they had um, Adam Thielen to pair with Justin Jefferson, and before that, Stephon Diggs. Like they've all, they've had good guys to throw to for a long time. And Amon Ross St. Brown, mm-hmm. obviously, um, he's really, really good. And Jamison Williams is finally showing some promise. So those also are teams Laporta. that value. Yeah. And Laporta, yeah. Oh my God, Laporta, my guy. Yeah, so these are teams that have made offensive weapons a priority, which is something that the Titans, I don't think, have ever fucking done outside of running backs. So I'm very interested to see where that goes. And these are also teams that kind of have lifted up seemingly like, quote unquote, mediocre quarterbacks through like good team building because everyone thought Goff was washed. People thought Tua wasn't it. Fucking Brock Purdy was a nobody before he you know came in and lit the world you know had this crazy playoff run no one knew who he was deshaun watson i don't want to fucking talk about yeah um kirk cousins you, could, you know yeah. but, but you know what i mean you could like kind, these of, these say, kind of, of say the same about jalen hurts a little bit too because i mean oh, yeah, his jalen first hurts. season I almost forgot the Eagles. yeah and their their receiving court obviously um is super great <laughs> and yeah. uh, yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, teams that prioritize offensive weapons, protecting the quarterback, um, not just having like great offensive weapons, but also having very fast offensive weapons. Uh, I mean, look at the Dolphins, the Eagles, and the the Forty ers too. I mean, like all of them have like very fast personnel, and that's something Rabel was saying a year ago. How he he wants to have one of the fastest teams in the league, and then not just on the offensive side. Also, found this interesting on the defensive side too. Uh, I only looked at the the defensive backs, the DBs, because I feel like that's where our defensive woes kind of like come in. The four of these teams rank in the top nine for DBs this year. I mean, Dolphins and Eagles are two and three mm-hmm. and Browns and 49ers are eight and nine. So I think that's also another area. And we talked about that, how we haven't seen him draft defensive people yet. So I think it's obvious he's seeing that the defense also needs to be replaced. And he's like, I got to, find a kevin byard replacement too so yeah i and then for the just to go back to the wide receivers for two seconds from that list four of those teams crack the top seven for wide receiver cores too so um yeah i definitely think that those teams reflect the gaps that we have and also the type of team that Vrabel has mentioned that he wants to produce yeah no the defensive backs is a good choice uh good point for sure and the Niners are still in the top 10, even after losing probably the best safety in the league right now. And Hafunga, Hafunga, like they, they lost him early, you know? The, that's just a deep, well constructed team. And uh, all the other teams, yeah, we would kill to have team construction like those, especially the Niners. Like that is by far the gold standard in the league right now. I think they're the. I think they're the best team in the league, personally. Mm. Overall, like top to bottom, I think they are the best team in the league. And uh, I don't know if that means they're going to win the Super Bowl or not. It doesn't 
honestly matter. Like I just think on paper, they are the best and they are the model, you know, they're the current, what people wanted for our entire lives up until recently, one of the Patriots, like that was the best constructed team in the league. So we can have kind of like the bloodlines filtering through here in Tennessee. If everything is played right, you know, maybe we are just in the very beginning of, of a long con, right? Four and eight. Okay. We thought it was going to be better. It's not. We're injured. We're thin. We knew we were thin. And some of these players that we thought were going to be good aren't. You know, that's that's life. That's football. But it really does seem like we have a general manager that's has checked his ego at the door. He's very thoughtful in um, what he wants to do and in who he asks for help, including Mike Vrabel. And that is the kind of guy that I would want to play for. I would want to sign with him just because he seems really genuine. He doesn't seem like some sort of like, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to get these players to meet my own needs. Like he seems like he's putting the needs of the team ahead of his own, his own thoughts and his own like desires to be hot shit, you know, a household name, a face on TV, whatever. Um, I really appreciate that approach and I hope it works out. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I think we're, I mean, we've been kind of saying this all season, but I mean, look at his current draft class that we have right now. I mean, you know, they've all been contributors. They've all been uh, three or four, three or four of them have been like very solid, you know, like Levis, Spears, Skronsky, um, and there's maybe Wiley, uh, you know, he's at least been a contributor in, in some games. And, you know, Jalen Duncan, he's just kind of getting going right now. So, you know, TBD on how he's going to pan out and everything. But as we were saying earlier, he drafted a guy in Jalen Duncan that wants to be here and has passion for the game. And he obviously cares, which is who who sounds like the opposite type of tackle that J-Rob drafted um, in recent years, uh, you know, with Isaiah Wilson big fat motherfucker but dude did not give a shit about football so you know i rather see a guy like duncan trying his damnness and gives gives a damn because at least shows at least picking right characters over potential of panda isaiah wilson yeah great great shot across the bow again (laughs) the fucking isaiah (laughs) wilson pick and we've seen Raidens be a stopgap this year, but he is not living up to that second round pedigree. Yeah, Robinson whiffed on a lot of offensive linemen. The pandemic really broke him, I think. Yeah, he had a lot of promise, and then and then once that kind of came around, he uh, he just didn't hit. He did not hit again. Yeah, I I still don't know what happened because like there were good days with him. You know, there were good seasons with him, obviously, and then. I really think something in 2020 happened with him and he just got, he had too much power or something. Yeah. I mean, my take was, well, well, we don't need to go into that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the dolphins game? Oh God, no, but we will. Uh, So (laughs) there, our next matchup is Monday night, Manning cast us going down to Miami, which I fucking hate it. Whenever we go down to Florida to play, uh, we're playing the Dolphins. The spread, the Dolphins are opening at the heavy favorite at minus 13 and a half points. Uh, 
surprisingly Jesus the over Christ, that, that is yeah, line. that's pretty insulting <laughs> <laughs> i mean like fair ish it's very insulting to the dolphins so they're gonna hang they're gonna win by like at least 20 yeah i've seen people on the subreddit going you know what's the over under that they actually break 70 points on us <laughs> i don't know man this is this could get out of hand very quickly i think um Maybe maybe this is the game that gets Shane Bowen fired. I don't know. <laughs> it would be the most Titans game ever to win. I mean, that would be hilarious. <laughs> you know, there, there's like a small like three percent of me that goes, you know, we might fucking up. We might set the world on fire here. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance? Yeah, but I, I'm expecting a blowout, not in our favor. I might watch the Manny cast, which I almost never do just to like keep it entertaining for me. I don't know, but uh, I, I got to find something to do to, to make this not completely miserable to watch. Yeah. I mean, I might watch the first half and then just go to bed. It's like, I got work early in the morning and probably ain't worth me being groggy to watch this get throttled. You know, I'll just catch the replay. Think- <laughs> Yeah, I don't think my therapist wants me staying up watching this game. <laughs> no. But yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm expecting Tua to at least be benched in the fourth quarter because, you know, they got it in the bag by that point. But here's the tip. If you have a Dolphins anything, just go ahead and fire them up in fantasy. Hell, you might, might as well just fire up like D-Hop because they're going to have to throw the ball a whole lot. Uh, probably a good start on that one too. Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not too optimistic about it. In one of my leagues, I have Tyree Kill, and I'm very much looking forward to this matchup. <laughs> Lucky you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I, that's all I want to say about the Dolphins game. I don't think that we need to go into crazy predictions predictions or anything like that. Uh, you, you got anything else on your docket you want to talk about? No, like you, I have absolutely no x's and o's when it comes to the dolphins titans it's just not an interesting game to me to be completely honest with you and i feel like we've talked about a lot of more interesting things we don't need to we don't need to go down this route just for the sake of that's the formula of the show you know what i mean yeah exactly we have been kind of and we're also kind of like running a little bit over so we'll go ahead and kind of like stop or end things here just a little reminder there are links in the show notes to the songs that we share and the our spotify playlist two-tone tunes um thank you everybody for listening to this episode of two-tone brews be sure to share this show with friends family titans fans dolphins fans to hear that last two minute bit we will see you next time recapping our monday night game against the dolphins and be sure to I, I'm 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 getting like all my wires crossed because on my like movie podcast I always end on be sure to watch good movies. I almost said that here, so um I got just gotta stop. All right, guys, enjoy the enjoy the game. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. See ya.